1: You're listening to episode 146 of the Marathon Running Podcast. This episode is Boston 101, all things Boston minus the course. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational, and let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners, and welcome to episode 146. My name is Letty,
0: And my name is Ryan.
1: And we do a marathon podcast every week. This week and the next session will be about Boston, all things Boston. Particularly, we'll hop into logistics, we'll touch on that expo we'll talk about where to stay when to come when to leave we'll talk about things to do in the finish line area we'll talk about race morning and the pointers the buses we'll talk about bag check we will talk about spectators we'll talk about all sorts of things except for the race course we reserved next episode just for the race course so stay tuned for that one
0: kind of like everything but the kitchen sink
1: Exactly. So for this episode, we brought Robert Wang on. He's done a lot of Bostons in the past, and he is a host of many Facebook groups. Pretty knowledgeable, I would say. Super nice. So are you ready to hear from Robert? I am. All right. So without any further ado, a short intro. We're now going to hop into our conversation with Robert Wang. All right. So I'm on here with Robert Wong. Robert, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: I met you through a meetup at the Chicago Marathon where we had dinner together with a bunch of runners. And so after that, I joined your Facebook group and I've come to realize that you know a lot about the world major marathons. And so we wanted to invite you on to talk about Boston a little bit. So maybe you can tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do.
0: Oh gosh. And summarize that in like 10 seconds. Right. Um, (laughs) basically I've been running marathons about 10 years. I've run 52 marathons. I've done all six majors at least once. I've got multiple running lives. Like I got my world marathon majors life, but I also have my Disney life. And, um, I I learned how to create my own group, uh, I, uh, and then I started World Marathon Majors Challenge Group in December of 2016, and it's gotten up to about more than 19,000 people. It's, it's a, it's a decent-sized group, and, and you know we, we share our collective knowledge with each other, which is extremely valuable. And I just try to, I, you know, I just try to help people do what I did or do things that I would love to do. So.
1: That's perfect. So, you know, it comes in really handy. It's a couple of months before the Boston Marathon. And it seems like just like every year, there's a lot of newcomers to Boston. And we hadn't done an episode on how to get ready for Boston best and, you know, provide listeners with tips and tricks. So let's start with that. When it comes to the Boston Marathon, from your experience and your observations, when do you think is the best time to get there? And when is the best time to leave?
0: Um, well, there's two points I want to make. The first is the Boston Marathon isn't just a race; it's also a convention of runners, of marathon runners. Uh, the you know, and, and and just about all everyone who's running the race, they're really really good at they're really really good at something. Like they're they're either t- like about roughly about 76 percent of those registered, 76 78, sometimes 80 uh, percent are time qualifiers. So these are among the fat probably the ten. I'm guessing the top 10 percentile of marathon runners for any, you know, particular race. Um, Number two, you have the best charity uh, runners in the world. They've raised massive amounts of money, at least $7,500 in most cases, $10,000 and they're among the best. And this is the convention uh, that, that's, you know, know, that's geared toward them. Um, uh, I mean, I find the best time is Friday uh, to get there. I mean, ideally Friday morning. Uh, the reason why is is there's usually events that start up on Friday. I mean, once in a while you'll have like a shakeout run on a Thursday, but it's not. I don't think it's worth getting there any earlier. In Boston, it is expensive. The hotels are expensive. Uh, I, I I usually, but I always go for four nights. I, I always arrive on the Friday, um, and and then I leave on Tuesday evening if I can, like the day after the race. So. You know, there hasn't been as much the last two Boston's because you know of COVID. Before COVID, there was tons of stuff going on. I remember in 2018, Kath- Catherine Switzer had uh, an event at AT and T store on Boylston Street. She was signing her book, uh, and, and and you got a chance to chat with her. It was really cool. Uh, there's usually and then and the Hanson brothers had a panel discussion that night. I remember, like at a at a at a uh, pub uh, south of, uh, Copley square. Um, so there's always, there's usually cool events going on like that. I can't, you know, since they're not really set that or announced that far in advance. Uh, so that's why I recommend Friday. Now, Tuesday, the reason why I recommend departing Tuesday is, you know, I think I, for me, I like to run the race. It's usually, I usually finish, you know, hopefully by 2 PM, hopefully (laughs) by 2 PM. And, um, uh, then I can relax. I don't have to rush to the airport and go back to my and take a nap if I want and go and uh, maybe get my medal and gr- that's that's the ideal Boston weekend for me. But I know that's not possible for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, no, I have to second that. It's absolutely important to get there a few days before because running Boston, it's. It's a completely different vibe than any other race. Everything is kind of centered around the same area by the finish line. There's tons of events going on. And then also when you're leaving on Monday, then what if something goes wrong at the race? What if you you make it can't make it on that flight? So it's always nice to have that extra time. And then also, as you alluded to, there's a ton of post-race festivities, which we'll hop into later. You also have to figure out all of the logistics behind checking out of your hotel, because even the latest late checkout probably will not carry till 2 p.m. So you have to deal with that. Then you have to figure out how are you going to shower? How are you going to get to the airport unshowered? Is that something that you want to do? And so that's a huge reason to, even if you fly out super early on Tuesday, it's definitely worth it. But now that we're talking about hotels, what is your opinion? Because I've only been to Boston once and I've stayed close to the center and I absolutely loved it. And I couldn't imagine staying further out. I know it's... You know, I'm, I'm also having roommates because the prices are so jacked up for Boston, but sometimes you're just not in that situation where you can do that. So maybe you can talk about how it works with transportation yeah. in Boston and what your opinion is as to where one should stay, if can, and if not, what are other alternatives?
0: Uh, I, I've gotten in the habit of booking a hotel room a year in advance. Um, like I have booked a, a Hampton Inn. Uh, In in uh, you know far from the center. I mean, right now it basically involves a twenty like I think a fifteen minute bus and a subway trip. Um, But that was you know that was what I could afford at the time, and that rate was not available for long. It was it was last April. It was available for maybe a week or two, and then was gone. And now it's way higher. Uh, I've gotten all kinds of deals on hotel rooms because I I, I, because that's what I can afford. I mean, I I've never I've never paid more than $236 for a night of a hotel in Boston. Uh, Some people will be shocked at that, but I've never done it, but I've had to make compromises. That that means usually staying further away than some would like. Uh, I'm okay with taking a subway trip to get to the buses at the start. And I'm okay with taking a subway after the finish to get back to my hotel. I'm okay with that. Uh, But I know a lot of people that that is a deal breaker. They they have to stay near the finish no matter what. and, And I respect that. Um, Boston is very predictable.
1: That's the thing. You know, it's every Patriots Day. And then that uh, Boston that was in October of 2021, that was my first Boston. I got in using an Airbnb because nobody really knew that was going to be the Boston Marathon. And then the prices skyrocketed. There are deals available and booking early is always key, as you said. Um, There's also websites, some like marathon tours where they release rooms. They're still expensive. If you really want to stay close to the finish line, you can still do something like that.
0: Well, um, and and, and like I did book through Marathon Tours once. And if you're going to, and that's a great, they're a great option. Marathon Tours usually will give you the better rate, like substantially better. It can be, uh, I don't know, at least I'm just guessing 10 to 20% better than if you book directly through the hotel. Uh, The only downside with them is they have a cancellation charge. Uh, It used to be $20. It's now $30 if you cancel by the end of the year, and then it starts going up. Progressively each month after that. Uh, that's the only drawback. But if you want to like stay at the Copley uh, Weston, which is like a, a, a very desirable property or something, you know, or 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 you know these premier properties downtown, uh, they're going to probably almost certainly going to get you the best rate. I mean, uh, uh, you definitely should check the portal. Usually, like I think last year the portal opened in late May. It's open as early as May tenth. Uh, it tends to vary. Uh, you should definitely jump onto the portal uh, once it opens. The first hour, the most desirable properties will be gone in an hour or half an hour. Okay. Now, if you miss that for whatever reason, uh, you get an entry later, you get a charity entry later, whatever, or you don't, then um, um, you you look for a cancellation. People cancel all the time. They don't get in, they don't qualify. They they get hurt. um, So definitely check
1: I didn't even know you could look for cancellations, but yeah, no, I mean, it's literally like you said, the Westin Copley is where I'm staying. I have a double room with two beds. It's in the right. 300s. I was looking at this portal opening as kind of a deadline, kind of like when we apply for marathons, you got to be there on time. I looked for a hotel within the first hour I was booked. I know that I had friends and I told them about how I had booked. And after you know a few hours, they already hadn't, didn't have those same kind of rooms available. So it, it goes no. pretty fast.
0: It is very fast. No, by 1230, uh, expect expect Weston Copley to be gone. <laughs> I, mean, I, I hate to say it, but you just got to be on the ball. And I know it's hard for people to, you know, I found you have to book a year in advance or at least with Marathon Tours when they open about 10 months in ad, 11 to 10 months in advance. You just have to do it these days, even if you don't know if you have a bib or not.
1: You know, it is what it is. So what about. Um, so let's talk a little bit since you've had since you have taken public transportation. Maybe you can tell the listeners that haven't been to Boston how hard or easy it is to take public transportation to the areas that you want to be at. First,
0: uh, pers- I'm I've, I've taken public transportation my entire life. Uh, I've been to Boston several times. Uh, I think they. Ha- it's not it's not Tokyo where trains are every two minutes. Um, it, it's I, I think it's it's compare. some people might disagree but it might be comparable to new i think it's comparable to new york and chicago okay with uh boston has a pretty decent subway system uh but there's a lot of stops like the green line there's a ton of stops stopping all the time it may not go fast as, as fast as you want so um so your options are basically um the the subway train i take a bus um and and then uber or lyft i mean those are your basic options uh, I, I use Google Maps. There's public transit direction mode on it and I use that to help me get around. So um I mean I think it depends on what your preferences are, but if you want more options in terms of hotels that are affordable, you're going to ha- you're probably going to have to consider public transportation or at least ride share Uber or Lyft. And I'm I think I think the prices for Uber or Lyft have gone up the last few years. So
1: Yes, they have. So it kind of, you know, if you way and how much money you want to save by staying at a hotel you can also think about how much you're going to be traveling to what type of transportation you want to take because if you're going to end up ubering 3 4 times a day you might as well spend an extra 100 dollars and stay at a different hotel but um let's talk about the finish line area and all the things that there are let's talk about the expo first so first of all the expo where is it And from your experience, what are the best days to go to the expo? How does this expo compare to other expos? And then, of course, the jacket question, will they have all the jacket sizes at the expo, no matter what time or what day you go?
0: Okay, in terms of the expo, um, it's hard to say because uh, COVID really affected the Boston Expo significantly. It's usually at the Heinz Convention Center uh, and it is this year. Uh, and it, Heinz Convention Center is on Boylston street. It's on the last like half mile of the course, like right after you make that famous, you know, right turn on here for left turn on Boylston, the convention center is right there. Um, and, um, uh, it usually opens on the Friday morning before the race, like usually around 11 AM. And the first thing is if you, a lot of people get there and I got there right about the time they open last year. And uh, there's usually a humongous line. It goes all the way around the block, all the way around the. But don't let that scare you. But it goes all the way around the block to there's like a I, I think it's a, a Sheridan Hotel that's right there. It goes all the way that far back. But the line moves super quickly, like um, it, like at least it did last year. And I was in in about 25 minutes. So you know compared to a Disney ride, not a big deal. Um, Uh, But the line moves very quick and you get to you get to have conversations with people online, which is that's a great thing about Boston. You have something in common with just about anyone else who's there for the race. And you can easily chat with people from random places around the world. Uh, So uh, you get in. There might be an expo vendor list available. I haven't looked at it if there is. Uh, But it used to be everyone was there. You had Runners World had a booth. Elliptico had a booth. Uh, anything that's sold anything for runners was there and, but not but the last two years, like, like a lot of them have not been there. Um, I can't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if it's eventually going to come back and going to be back to where 2019 again, or it's never going to recover. Um, however, there always is an Adidas expo store. And, um, and then we're going to, you want to talk about the jacket. Okay. But the, the store sells most of the merch merchandise. It doesn't sell everything. Okay. The one thing they, they, do, they do not sell is, um, um, the time qualifier apparel that's just sold on Adidas's website. That is the only place where you're going to find it. Uh, they don't sell that, but they sell everything else. Uh, now there's stuff they sell that you won't find online, like Spike, the plush unicorn. They don't, they don't usually sell that online. They usually only sell that at the expo store. And I don't think you can even buy it at, um, there, there's, there's two, there's, there's three other places that sell a Boston Marathon apparel official. That's runner's warehouse. That's marathon sports and heartbreak hill running company. I don't know of any others, uh, uh heart heartbreak hill. I don't think they have a location within walking distance. They have a location on heartbreak hill. I, I don't remember if they have a location in the back bay near the convention center. Marathon sports, of course, is by, is right by the finish line. Okay. So, but they they usually sell Boston Marathon apparel, uh, but there's a couple things that you can only buy at the expo store. You can't buy anywhere else, like mugs. Uh, I don't, I don't know if they sell wine glasses, that like, you know, like cups. Anything with a, with a that will hold a beverage, they're not going to sell that anywhere else. You can't find that on their website, as far as I'm aware. Uh, the Spike the Plus Unicorn. Now, but almost all of the clothing you can find online, and usually with the and sometimes you can finagle a discount or a rebate. But, mo- but most of the discount codes will not work. They've, they've, the last few years, they've added an exclusion. It used to be they would work. But I, was, I think like 2018 or 2019, they became excluded from most, almost every discount. And, and there's been some weird things that have happened where they weren't supposed to work, but they did. Like in 2019, December, the 2020 jacket abruptly showed up on the website for like $66. I think it was a mistake. <laughs> but everyone was like, "like it was a men's jacket. Everyone was trying to buy it. And, and you know, like, I think the woman's jacket showed up too. And for like a few hours, and it, it was like $66 until they realized, I think, what, the mistake and they t- they turned it off.
1: Oh, my goodness. I hope those people still got their $60 jackets because that's really hard to find even uh, years after the Boston Marathon has been completed. But um, back to the Expo. So what do you think are the best days to go?
0: Yes, best days to go to the Expo. Um. Oh gosh, that's really hard. I mean, see, I, so I'm guessing you're asking, when can I go where it's not super crowded? The least crowded time at the expo is probably Sunday. But uh, if, you're buying, if you're buying Adidas stuff, uh, Adidas Boston Marathon official apparel, that is not the one, time to go. A lot of the sizes will be sold out uh, by Saturday. Most of the time, like, like for example, extra small for women, it's usually gone by Saturday or at least Saturday afternoon. Uh, I mean, if you're extra large, chances are your size will be there on Sunday, okay? I mean, I, I, I just it's just the way it is. I recommend if you can't, if you live in the United States, I recommend you order in advance because usually you can you can try to find some kind of discount despite the discount exclusion. You can get the Rakuten rebate. There's things, I mean, and you, you, you can have them ship it to you, you can try it on, you can return it if you have to. Um, but a lot of people who don't live in the US it's just too costly or too much of a hassle to order online and it's best for them to go to the expo and try it on adidas always overorders jackets like i'm always amazed like how many they have left over uh, every single year the overorder i'm i'm waiting for the year they're like okay we're not going to do that we're going to underorder we're going to we're going to we're going to air toward the side of underorder and there's a massive shortage um uh, so every year there's tons of leftovers of jackets uh, and they go through the regular discount distribution, you know, they, they, like for they'll go to outlets, you know what I mean? And then they'll start, they'll start selling for like $50 and then they go down to $30 or something like that. Or they go to TJ Maxx or Marshalls are being sold for 30, like $30, $50, like the more time passes. But here's the thing about that. You don't know which TJ Marshalls or, or, uh, I'm sorry, TJ Maxx or Marshalls are going to show up. at. You don't know. It can be anywhere in the country. And you don't know if your size will be available. They're not going to have every size there. It's going to be the leftovers. So you're taking a risk.
1: All right. So besides the expo, you know, the first time when I went to Boston, it was 2021. I know that there is a fan fest around that. I don't know if that was just outside the way it was, particularly in that park because of it's still being a COVID year, or if they usually have all the panels and a lot of the speakers outside, what do you recall and what normally happens oh, in Boston?
0: Yeah. Well, they, they did have festivities outside in 2019, but I, I think definitely, uh, you know, with, with COVID, that it, it was more important to have some events outside. Now they started having uh, indoor panel discussions again. Yeah, they have panels at Heinz. But the, the problem is the spacing there, the space there for panels is limited. It can be very limited. They used to have them in these rooms at the side. So they've had both. They've had them at Copley Square and they've had them in the convention center. It is hard to make them all. Oh, here's the thing I want your, your listeners to be to, to be to think about is you can't be at everything. You can't. Even when they cut the schedule because you know during the pandemic, I was struggling to make every single thing. And you just can't. It's just one thing after another that's going on. You're going to miss something, you know, great. There's just no way to get around it. If you're going to do something that you want, you're probably going to miss something else. I mean, if you want to get back to your room after the BAA 5K, you're going to miss some morning panels. It's like going to Disney. Like you're You you can't do everything. You just can't.
1: Yes. And that just gives us kind of a picture of what Boston is really like, because even when I went in 2021, the schedule was filled with different things. And I feel like I spent most of my Saturday and Sunday running around, going to different meet- meetups and stuff. So that takes me to another great thing that I feel like every runner should partake in before a marathon on that Sunday. There are shakeout runs from basically every running club that there is. So my question to you is the people that train by themselves that don't have a running club in Boston, how do people find shakeout runs and in your opinion, Opinion. Are they worth going to, or should you do your own shakeout run?
0: There's all kinds of options. Okay. Like, for example, I usually do, I often do the BAA 5K on the Saturday, which I'm doing this year. And then uh, I've organized my own meetup shakeout run, but I, I, I'm i doing Unicorn Club this year, which is basically a, a VIP package. And they're having their own shakeout run. In the past, it's been with Amby Burfoot, uh, the, the, the retired a former runner's world editor and, and 1968 Boston marathon champion. Celebrities often have shakeout runs. Med Kowalski may have a shakeout run. I think one year Nike and Sh- Shalane Flanagan had a shakeout run. And, and that's the other thing about these events, by the way, they're, they're, they, they, they may not ever happen again. Like if there's a certain, if you hear that there's like a celebrity elite athlete doing a shakeout run or something like that, they don't do them every year. Usually, like I like Dina Castor was a couple years ago. That was like a one time thing. A lot of these events are one time things. Like no Boston Marathon weekend is like the, the, the it's like any other. They're all different. The promotional events are all different. So if I, I mean, that's I remember I just said like you're gonna miss something. I mean, that's unfortunate, but if you miss it, you're probably not gonna have an opportunity to ever do it again. I hate to say that. that's just what it is, what it is. Definitely look. It can be hard to find on the BAA's website, but there will be, they will issue a schedule. They'll issue a schedule of all the panel discussions at, in Copley Square and all the panel discussions in Hines. And I'm assuming it's the same arrangement this year, okay? But then there's other events besides that. The best way to find out about those is through Eventbrite. Uh, they're usually almost – most of them are listed on Eventbrite. Not all of them. Um, and so you go to Eventbrite and just search Boston Marathon. But, I mean, if you do it now, a lot of those events haven't posted yet. If you get closer to the race, maybe two weeks before, go to Boston. Just just search Boston Marathon. A ton of events will pop up. That's the best way to find them. Uh, The ones that aren't on – the ones that aren't – some of them will not show up on Eventbrite. So you got to look on Facebook or even Google. Like Nike events uh, will often show up on their own. Like, Like a lot of times you have to have the Nike app to be even find out about the Nike events. And here's the thing. Elliot Kipchoge is running Boston, and he's sponsored by Nike. Will there be an Elliot Kipchoge Nike event? I don't know. Because he's running the race, there may not be. Like he, they, they, I don't remember him having events in Berlin Marathon when he's running. When he's not running, he he shows up a lot. Uh, so I don't know if there will be a Nike Elliot Kipchoge event.
1: But no, I agree. And I I thank you for giving us all these ideas about Eventbrite and all that stuff. I'm going to link those in our show notes because I think that's also a really good place to find the after parties um, that a lot of places host. I know that Samuel Adams has a brewery there and I know they have events afterwards. And I know last time I went, they gave us free glasses with the Boston Marathon printed on it. And then there's a lot of Abbott events and all that. So, um, I'm going to link as much as I can in our Facebook group, the speed striders, but let me ask you another question still in the pre-marathon phase. Let's talk about pre-race dinners from your experience. How important are reservations? Are there a lot of places that you can just walk in? Um, obviously depending on the time that you prefer a dinner, but I know that most people lean towards having a pasta dinner.
0: Uh, it used to be that, uh, the BAA had a free pasta dinner at city hall. Um, Due to COVID, they have not had that within uh, the last couple of years. I think John Hancock, the sponsor, once paid for all the costs one year at least, um, maybe multiple years. Uh, but that was one option you no longer have. Um, my, I believe for a large percentage of North End restaurants, like the Italian ones, you want to get a nice Italian pasta dinner, you probably have to reserve that. Uh, like like in 2021, I don't think it was necessary, especially if you were like a pers- a party of one or two to do that. But now you probably do have to reserve that in advance. Uh, but th- there's plenty of restaurants. I think you don't need a reservation. Like I mean, I, I, I my my go-to if I if every all else fails is Wagamamas in Prudential Center. I can just go in there. I never have to wait for a table. Not very more than a couple minutes, maybe not at all, and. There's plenty of, of, of carbohydrate meals at Wagamama. So, um, that's my back backup and never, you know, usually it never fails. Okay. And then my go-to for breakfast is Thornton's on Huntington. There's at most, there's a 10 minute wait. I, I mean, I would just look at Yelp, look at Google, Google, um, check out the options, read the reviews. Uh, there's plenty of options. Uh, the only thing that I think is lacking a little bit are late night options.
1: Um, well, you know, the problem with Boston is that you are not running until at least eleven o'clock or ten o'clock, is it? But let's hop into that because obviously our yeah. listeners want to know. So let's fast forward race morning. Let's start with the buses. It sounds like the buses only transportation is from the Commons to Hopkinton and then back. So it's a it's a little bit more complicated. Um what are your opinions on that? The whole buses, you know, school buses versus private buses?
0: Uh, well, I'm doing uh, for the first time. I'm doing Unicorn Club, so they will have a shuttle, special shuttle uh, to get there, uh, but which is the VIP package. But most people, and I've I've done the school buses every year. Uh, I highly recommend the school buses. It's just the simplest logistical planning. But I know there are people who stayed near Hockington who who will swear that that it worked for, out for them. Who you know they took a. Ah, uh, they got an Uber. Or they had a friend to give them a ride, or the hotel had a shuttle um, that took them to Hopkinton. There's like a drop-off point, and they have to take another shuttle to get to downtown from that drop-off. Um, here's the major, the major downside of going right to Hopkinton is you cannot do gear check. Gear check is not an option for you. Like you will not have a gear check bag unless you stashed it with a friend in a hotel near downtown. Uh, You will not have a gear check bag waiting for you when you finish. So then once you stash
1: your bag, which is for after the marathon, you're still going to be busing to Hopkinton and you're going to have some time at this place called Athletes Village. I did the rolling start in the only year where they did the rolling start. So I didn't have right. that experience. Maybe you can tell me and our listeners what to expect once we get to Hopkinton, how long okay. is that walk from the buses to athletes village? How much time are we going to spend there? And then, you know, can you sit down there? Is it a big tent or what can we envision for that? Right.
0: The overall view of Boston and I'll get to the athletes Village in a second is it is you're constantly waiting first of all, the race is on a Monday. Okay. It's the only world marathon major on a Monday. It's one of the few marathons on Monday. A lot of people are not used to that. If you're a first-time Boston marathon runner, you're used to waking up at 5 a.m., run, starting a race on Sunday at anywhere from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. That's what you're probably used to, you know, unless you've run New York, which is later, okay? Um, the, now you've got to wait an additional day. You get up on Sunday, okay? You, know, you, you might go to church, and you're like feeling weird, like, I should be running a race right now. So you've got to wait an additional day. Not only that, the race... Starts from 10 a.m. to 11:15 a.m. on Monday. So you get up. You usually, run a race. Most American marathon runners, most American marathons are usually before 8 a.m. Okay, you got to wait a couple more hours. On top of that, you have time for breakfast. It just, it just puts you out. It can put you out of sync, and then you're more amped up, waiting, waiting, waiting. Okay, then you're on a bus. The bus takes an hour to get there. Um, to 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 the high school. Okay, what happens is the st- staging area. Is, is is at hopkinton high school junior high school okay it's on the campus you don't ever go get to go into the buildings okay um and you're gonna see you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna the buses will drop you off okay and you're gonna get out you will go through this nice blue and gold boss welcome to the boston marathon gate you'll go through you'll see tons of runners on the grass you'll see tents you know if it's raining everyone's gonna be under the tents um and if it's raining it's gonna be a mess it will be mud everywhere it'll be a, a It'll be the 2000, it was a mess in 2018. And you'll see porta potties lined up everywhere. And if you're in wave one, if you're one of the first to get there, the porta potties will be pristine and and, and spotless and amazingly great. But after that, they're going to be horrible. (laughs) They're going to be hard because they'll be very much used by the time, if you're wave two, three, or four, by the time you get there. Okay. And then um, in the past, they used to serve like bagels and coffee. And I think due to, Cost-cutting, you know, due to the inflation, they they, cu- they cut that out, uh, the you know, last cu- last year. But um, a, a lot of people, you know, they have mixed feelings about the Athletes Village because of the waiting. You're waiting, waiting, waiting. You've, some people take a nap. They lie down on the grass and they sleep for a while. A lot of people take pictures. There, there's a fake, uh, there's a mock, uh, it all starts here sign, which is, it's on the Hopkinton uh, Common um, but it, they make a mock sign for pictures where your people pose by it. Uh, people wait in the porta a potty line, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's really hard. Okay. Because you, you, you're trying to relax, but you you know, this race is coming up and it's, it's nine 30. You know what I mean? You're like, Oh my God, you, you gotta wait. And that's the problem. The problem with all that it being amped up, it makes you go faster early in the race. You're so excited. You're first Boston. You're waiting, waiting, waiting an extra day, waiting an extra three hours. And now you're running the race and you're going downhill. And that just, it, it creates a lot of conditions for uh, a disastrous last uh, six miles because you go so fast early on because you're so amped up and you're running downhill and you're so excited and the people are cheering. You're like, I've made it. I'm at Boston. And then you don't have anything left you know, to, for Heartbreak Hill at the end. like well, That's not at the end, but in mile 21. So from what you are telling me, I'm gathering that
1: as in what to bring to the athlete's village, it would be food because you might be waiting. So food and hydration, then a lot of Correct. throwaway clothes, rain gear, yeah maybe some extra shoes. I know a lot of runners that wear their old shoes and just bring their vapor flies or alpha flies and kind of save them for the race because it sounds like you're going to be doing a lot of, uh, well, almost as much time not running as you're running on that day.
0: There's a disadvantage of doing that. If you're, if you're going to do that, if you're going to wear your old throwaway shoes and carry your new shoes. Make sure you never, you never, you never drop your, your new shoes anywhere and forget them. You better not leave those behind because then you're running your throwaway shoes, the race. So yeah. <laughs> if you're going to do that, make sure you have that on your hand and you don't let it go until you put them on. Okay. Like, <laughs> like that is a danger. That's the danger of you going to go that route. There's a, a, a city of porta potties at, at right before the starting corral at, by the CVS drugstore, uh, before you make the right turn onto the street where they start the race like like that is the last place you can use the porta potty there is no porta potties in the corrals you no know, so remember that don't be in a panic it's like yes use the athletes village porta potties that's not your last chance to, to uh, do your business
1: that's a very good tip All right. So then for the families that come and travel with you, let's talk about the spectators. A lot of people reached out and had questions. Where is the easiest spot to spectate? And also, how can spectators get around best? I'm assuming most people travel with their families. They want to cheer them on. They fly into the airport, take an Uber to the hotel. And then what is it easy to get around by bus or train or
0: whatever there is? From what I've heard, uh, number one, it is it's difficult to get to the early part of the course. Uh, it's, it's, it's often only accessible, uh, by commuter train. If you can get an Uber, great. It's going to, it's going to cost you money. (laughs) I mean, there's no, there's no frequent, the the bus and subway system doesn't go all the way to the Western end of the course. Like getting to Hopkinton is a challenge. Uh, and then probably the best, if you want, if you want to go to the early part of the course, the best point is Framingham because the train station is right by the course. Like if you go to Ashland. The train station is like a good 20 minute walk from the course. Um, so, um, and, you know, and, and, and the thing is that the Boston Marathon course was intended to go along that train line. That train line dates to the late 19th century. Uh, it, they, they intentionally put it there by the train line. It's now a commuter rail train line. Uh, so, so, so you can go to framing and the problem is I don't think the train is more frequent than once an hour. It makes it a challenge once you see your loved one at the 10K mark, in Framingham to get back on the train and go back. Though I see, I've heard of people timing it just right uh, to make it. And I think once you get to Wellesley or Newton, you can access that by subway train. Uh, um, I don't know the details on that. Um, it, it, it's a challenge to spectate it, because it's a point-to-point course. It's very one-dimensional. It's not like a loop course uh, where you can try to see your loved one. At, you know, at one point you can see them at multiple points where it's, it's a, it's a line, you know, basically, uh, the, uh, the Boston Marathon course. It's a, so it's a challenge to see them more than once it's possible. Um, but it, it's difficult in terms of driving around. I don't, I'm assuming that it's difficult. You get to look for parking. Where are you going to park your car? You know, I mean, you could probably do rideshare, but you got to make sure you avoid the road closures. Uh, but it's so one dimensional, maybe on, on the North and the, on the South side of the course, you can get around. I don't know very much how that works. If you're going to spectate near the finish on Hereford or Boylston Street, uh, you will not be able to cross the street. You will not be able to cross Hereford. You will not be able to cross Boylston. Uh, also, the Boylston subway station will be closed on the green line. Pick your side, you're going to emerge. You're not going to be able to cross to the other side. It won't be possible.
1: Okay. So that's kind of helpful too, because then you can let your loved ones know what side that you're going to be on. So, I mean, I think you gave us plenty of information and also give us uh, an expectation of how difficult it is and make sure that you plan your logistics ahead of time. So let me talk about the next question I have, which is the opportunity for family reunion. You're done running. I know just like in every marathon, there is a huge area of that spectators can't come in. How can you find your
0: family? Uh, I have never been to the reunion area, but I mean, uh, it, it's usually detailed in the instructions. I mean, usually they have, um, I don't know if they have the letter. a lot of family re- reunion areas have the letters, go by last name. I've uh, never heard of anyone having a problem finding their loved one in the reunion area. I think they've moved it a couple of times for security reasons. I think it's by Copley Square, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's like on the, on the uh, south side of Copley, I believe. I mean, I could be wrong on that. Uh, And I would check when when they come out instructions, I would check where it is on the map.
1: Perfect. And then here's some random questions from other listeners that don't fall into any of our categories. So, talk to me about GPS issues. I didn't have any when I ran Boston. How about you? A lot of people are worried that they're going to run into a Chicago situation where if you haven't run Chicago, there's a lot of buildings and it's hard to get GPS.
0: A lot of people may not realize this, but it says Boston Marathon, but only a couple of miles of the course are in the city of Boston. Uh, you're not gonna, you're, you're starting in a very, in a less uh, populated area, less urbanly dense area, uh, the race, there's no buildings to block the signal. Uh, and also another thing is the turns are minimal compared to Chicago has, I think I've heard has 40 turns or more, uh, but Boston has, there's not that many turns so your GPS error is not going to be very. I mean, it, it's still there. Okay, like I finished with twenty six point three on my on my Garmin. Uh, I th- I think the Garmin is the most accurate in the Boston course because it's such a it's a point to point. The minimal turns. There's no until there's not really any big buildings until the end. To, to mess with the signal. So I don't think people have too much of a worry with that.
1: Yeah. And I think uh, you're a pretty good runner because you seem to be able to cut the tangents pretty well because you're one of the few that get 26.3. Most of us get 26.5 and more. So that's cool.
0: <laughs> if you're paying attention, uh, Boston is a great course to run tangents, except the first two to four miles of the race because of the crowds you have to be careful if you're running the tangent not to go into someone else's lane. It's, it's, it, it's extremely crowded race. The first four miles.
1: Okay. Perfect. And then my last two questions, I'm going to make them uh, into one question. One is what, is there a time cutoff for Boston? And number two is what wave are charity runners in?
0: Okay. Um. First of all, there is a, a, a hard cutoff. Okay. It's usually, but it's, it's supposed it's, it's supposed to be six hours after the last person started, though I've heard it's really six hours after they think the last person started. Last year, the cutoff was at 5.30, 0.00 p.m. If you finish one second after that time, you will not be in the, in the race results. You will not be considered an official finisher. On the tracking, it will say you did not finish. Uh, however, you still will get a medal. You still can run across the finish line. You have that glory moment, but you will not be considered officially by the Boston Athletic Association as a finisher. And there is no appeal You know that I've never heard of anyone succeeding in appealing to them. You need to be aware of that. There's no warning. There's no one on the course telling you you're in danger of missing that. No one's going to tell you to get on a bus and, and not finish. Okay. No one's going to try. You can still finish on the sidewalk at that point, but uh, you still can run along Boylston and, you know, go, you know, finish like this and get and some, a volunteer there who's volunteered to stay after their shift. will give you a medal but you're not in the results, okay? So you need to be mindful of that. Second, uh, all charity runners are, all non-time qualifiers are placed in wave four. If you don't have a qualifying time, no matter how fast it is, you are in wave four. You're placed randomly in a corral in wave four is my understanding.
1: Okay, great. Well, Robert, thank you so much for your time. Um, I really appreciate your insight and I know I'll see you in Boston. I'm going to be checking your Facebook site for meetups and shakeouts and all that stuff. And I will share them on our uh, Facebook group, the Speed Striders as well. So thank you. And then how maybe you can tell us exactly the name of your Facebook group for anyone that wants to join.
0: It is World Marathon Majors Challenge Group.
1: Perfect. And we'll be linking that in our show notes. And again, thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Aladi. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Thank you, Robert, for coming on and speaking with me. I really appreciate all your insight and knowledge. And Ryan, did this make you want to go to Boston and qualify and, or charity run it?
0: It makes me want to do everything but the race.
1: well you can always come as a spectator now that we know where the spectators are supposed to stand and wait um (laughs) so maybe we'll see you guys out there if you're training for boston good luck and until next week have a good week of running thanks for tuning in for more information head to www.runningpodcast.us and as always have a great week of running